Every move brought about its own set of challenges, but those challenges only seemed to intensify as I grew older. The bad kid in school who cusses out teachers, doesn't get good grades, only cares about sports and music, now needs grace from his teachers. This was the breaking point. Hello, and welcome to How to Fail Successfully, the podcast that teaches the steps to success through the stories of failures. I'm so happy that you could join me as I interview some of my favorite people and encourage them to share their story with you. I'm Matthew Carrier, and this is How to Fail Successfully. How to Fail Successfully. My name is Matthew Carrier, and on today's episode, I will be sharing with you part two of my story. I want to start at the very beginning and share a few of my early failures. Well, while a few I share are more humorous, others tend to cut a little bit deeper for me. I started last week with an incredible quote from Kilroy J. Oldster about facing the darkest shadows of your story. It's only in standing toe-to-toe with that we most detest. A person is in a position to slay their fiendish or extremely cruel sense of self, and by doing so, undergo a soulful transformation. The next two weeks, I'll be standing toe-to-toe with my monster, looking up at the parts of my story I've chosen to forget, the parts I have protected myself from. I'm choosing to think of this as my therapy session with the hope that there might be something in my story that can give you hope or encouragement. But here's my disclaimer before I begin. I have lived a very good life. I am thankful for my family, and I'm blessed for the life that I have lived. In my travels around the world, I've been offered a glimpse of what it means to be truly poor, to be actually starving, to be so thirsty that you'll drink dirty, toxic water, To see someone smile because they get their hair washed with water and shampoo. I've seen a family of 10 sleeping on dirt floors and straw or cardboard huts. I've seen kids fighting over who's going to wear the house shoes for the day. I've heard stories of young men and women never making it to the age of 20 after they've lost their lives fighting for for the freedom that we, we often take for granted. I've seen veterans drinking alcohol as a way to forget or at least to feel something other than pain. I've had close friends at a, at a young age suddenly lose their mom or dad due to cancer. I myself do not live every day with a chronic illness or pain. Every day I, I feel truly blessed. I recognize that I'm blessed. You are blessed. We all have so many incredible things going on in our lives that we must appreciate it. It can be so hard sometimes, but... We shouldn't forget that when life gets hard, you must take a step away and understand that even if 99% of all of the things that we have were taken away from us, we still have so much more than many others in this world. So with that out of the way, I'm going to begin my story here. On December 17th, 1983, I was born on a small, beautiful island of Okinawa, Japan. Yes, All six foot three, blonde hair, blue eyes of me was born in Japan. 
Though I love the culture, I am, in fact, not Japanese. My dad was in the station in the military, and we were there at that military base until I was two and a half. Now, I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's jump into my very first failure, one of the ones that has stuck with me for 34 years, one that I have never been able to shake. Although I was born on December 17th, my birth certificate says December 19th. So therefore, I have two birthdays. It took me a long time to turn this failure into an opportunity, but once I realized that I could celebrate two birthdays every year, which means for a week, every restaurant we dined at, it was my birthday. Multiple dessert celebrations. It was awesome. The second obstacle I needed to overcome in my life also came at a very young age. As you know, my last name is Carrier. If you count, there are three R's in the spelling of my name. Well, much to my joy, I was one of the lucky ones that couldn't say my R's. So as a child, my name was Matthew Kewia. I was the kid in class who had to miss my favorite activity, which was recess, or recess, so that I could attend a speech therapy class. I still remember to this day sitting in a dark room, staring at a projection screen, While my teacher said to me, okay, Matthew, repeat after me. The dog ran across the street. I would repeat. The dog went across the street. She'd say, ran, when, ran, when. Needless to say, this continued on for way too long before I was able to finally say my R's. I remember feeling nervous every single time I had to read a word with the letter R. Now, rest assured, as you can hear, I'm finally able to say my R's about 99.5% of the time. So I was able to overcome that small little obstacle. As a kid, I was always active. I played as many sports as I could. Every location we moved to, I would instantly connect with a sports team. Oftentimes, multiple teams at the same time. So until high school, I excelled in three sports, soccer, basketball, and baseball. So I was a pretty good athlete as a kid. So what I'd like to do is take this episode and share with you three of my biggest sports failures. Yes, there were plenty of other examples where I could, where I did something stupid or I made a fool of myself, but these three are the ones that stir up some emotions deep in the pit of my stomach. Not every time, but enough to talk about it. So let me start with soccer. When I was around the age of two years old, my parents caught me dribbling a soccer ball, which for those that aren't familiar, that is kicking the ball with my feet while running. And I I spoke to my mom this week to confirm a few of my stories, and she said they decided after seeing me dribbling a soccer ball at the age of two that I might have some God-given talent in this game. So they were diligent in providing me with many opportunities. And so as I grew up, I started playing on competitive teams, sometimes two or three teams at the same time. School teams, traveling teams, city teams. Now, how my mom was able to juggle, take me to all those different practices and games, I'll never know. But let's fast forward to the age of nine. I remember getting the best news ever. I was invited to try out for the Junior Olympic National Soccer Team. The Junior Olympic National Soccer Team. This was what I lived for my entire nine years of my life. I still remember the nerves that I felt getting out there for tryouts. I remember all the boys being much larger than I was, but that wasn't going to stop me. 
And I can't vividly remember all that had happened, but I remember, remember returning home and getting the news that I did not make the team. And of course, things like this are bound to happen. But to a nine-year-old, this was devastating. This was my first real uh, experience feeling failure. Well, it turns out that I was actually too young to even try out. And here's the hardest part. is that minimum age requirement was 10. I missed the cutoff by one month. And while the situation didn't make me lose my love for the sport, it definitely stuck with me. Let's talk about baseball. In baseball as a young kid, I wanted to be a star pitcher and hitter. I dreamed that one day I'd be able to hit the ball so hard that with one swing, I'd knock it out of the park. I wanted to be standing up there with bases loaded at the bottom of the ninth, staring at a 3-2 pitch. I'd see the ball coming over the plate in slow motion and crack it over the fence to win the game. I wanted to be the guy standing up on the mound, throwing the ball so hard that the sound of the ball hitting the catcher's glove would echo through the stadium. I worked day after day throwing pitches, going to the batting cages, tirelessly working on my craft. And when I wasn't working on baseball, I was, quote-unquote, studying game film by watching the brilliant movies of Rookie of the Year, Sandlot, Angels in the Outfield. I loved the sport. And I can remember the day it all changed for me. My best friend at the time, Brad, was on our team's biggest rival. Him and I hated that we couldn't be on the same team, but we were both so competitive that no matter what, when we faced each other, we would do everything in our power to defeat the other person. We finally had a chance to play against each other, and it was on. Now I could show him how much better I was than he was. I was pitching that day, and up to this point, was having a pretty good day. Around the third inning, I finally had a chance to pitch against Brad. As he stepped up to the plate, all I could think about was striking him out, making him mad, and defeating him. So I throw the first pitch. Perfect release. Strike one. I could hear his mom cheering and encouraging him. Come on, Brad. You can do this. His eyes tightened, and I threw another pitch. Strike two. He was visibly frustrated at this point, so I decided to put him out of his misery. Next pitch, of course, was going to be a fastball. After winding up and releasing the ball so hard, I instantly knew that I was off. As the ball sailed towards the plate, it inched closer and closer, as if in slow motion, ultimately hitting Brad right in the head, and he dropped to the ground. I can't remember what was going on in my head as my best friend laid on the ground, but I do know this. Ever since that moment, it was never the same. Brad was able to eventually get up and find his way over to the bench, but he was done for the day, and so was I. Side note, so Sarah, if you're listening to this and Brad says or does anything stupid, it's my fault. I broke him. <laughs> to be completely honest, I don't know if that's the reason I lost my love for the sport, but I, but I do know that it's always stuck with me. Every pitch I threw after that just didn't have the same power. Every ball hitting my way or at the plate made me, made, me, made me hesitate. I couldn't shake it. I was done. Last one is basketball. And this requires a little bit of a setup. As I mentioned before, I grew up in a military family. I moved every three to five years for 18 years. 
Every move brought about its own set of challenges, but those challenges only seemed to intensify as I grew older and was able to start forming my own set of feelings and voicing of said feelings. Sorry, mom and dad. After my freshman year in high school, while we were stationed in El Paso, Texas, my dad found out that he was being relocated to Colorado Springs, Colorado. I would now have to start my sophomore year at a new school. I'd have to say goodbye to the love of my life. Okay, well, maybe not. But at the time in a ninth grader's mind, after quote-unquote dating for two years, she was the love of my life. I'd have to leave all my friends, leave my mentors, leave the restaurants I loved. Quick shout out to Chico's Tacos in El Paso. Anyways, after arriving in Colorado Springs, my mom and I visited a few different schools in the area to talk with their basketball coaches and see which school would offer me the best chance to become a collegiate athlete and which coach believed in my abilities enough to take me there. We finally settled on a school called Colorado Springs Christian School. And I really want to omit the Christian part, but to keep facts, facts, I'll leave it in. I was able to start playing basketball right away, and I did pretty well for myself. Basketball was and had been my saving grace for the teenage angst that was rapidly overtaking my mind, body, and soul. Immediately after arriving at this new school, I started experiencing more and more small defeats. Like this story. I discovered a love for music and singing, and I wanted to audition for the school choir. Unfortunately, I was denied an opportunity to audition. And after my mom found out, she approached the teacher, only to be told that kids had to have been there the previous year in order to audition. Well, we found out later this wasn't the case. She just wasn't a fan of me, and I didn't do anything to try and change her perception. That's fair enough, right? Schoolwork became more and more of a challenge. Every A or B turned into a C or D. I struggled to break into the small school cliques of kids that grew up together. All graduated elementary school and junior high together. I was known, I was liked, I quote-unquote had it together, but never really felt welcomed in. Never felt like I belonged. School became more and more of a burden. I was unable to find any subject that excited me, besides music and PE, of course. Side note here. I do have to give a shout out to Miss March, my biology teacher at CSCS, because unlike everyone else in my family, including my wife, I hated biology. She not only made it fun, but she never gave up on me. She pushed me. She pushed all of us, yet helped us when we, when we failed. She held every student to a high standard, yet had grace when her student couldn't live up to it. I had a lot of respect for teachers like her, my personal close friend and mentor, Sid Houston. So, so let's go back to school. I was smart enough, just not motivated enough. As my grades suffered, so did my love for my teachers. I found myself constantly in a bad mood. Call it teenage angst, call it hormones, or whatever you want to call it, but I finally just gave up. And here's the sad part. So did my teachers. I can vividly remember getting into an argument with complete disrespect. I stood up, I cussed out my teacher, and walked out of the class. That was not the last time I did that. It was all starting to leak out. It did not get any better from there. I became this foul-mouthed boy who couldn't keep his anger in control and at any opportunity was ready to fight. I was excelling in basketball but failing in school. A quarter into my junior year of high school, my dad's mom suddenly became ill. I wasn't close to my grandma, I wasn't close to my dad, but I wanted to be close to both of them. 
So with time quickly fading, our family decided it would be best for me to travel with my dad to Idaho and be there with his family and help out if she were to pass away. After five days in the hospital, she miraculously started to make a recovery. So my dad and I decided to head back to Colorado so that I could get back to class and him to work. We were seven hours out of the city when we got a call that she had quickly turned and then passed away. The details are a little foggy, but we headed back and spent another week handling all the funeral arrangements and helping my grandpa get through the loss. Needless to say that when we arrived back in Colorado Springs, I was two weeks behind on my classwork. The bad kid in school cusses out teachers, doesn't get good grades, only cares about sports and music, now needs grace from his teachers. So did it happen? Maybe from a few. But some stood their ground and only gave me a week to get caught up. And it didn't happen. This was the breaking point. Rival game, I'm on the basketball court getting warmed up. The music is blasting, we have a big crowd. About three minutes before the start of the game, I see our athletic director walking on the court. He walks straight up to me and tells me I need to get off the court. I can't play tonight. And confused, I look at my coach and who walked over, and the two of them talked. Then my coach came over and told me that because I had missed so much school and hadn't submitted all my work, I would be ineligible to play. In fact, one of the teachers who would not extend any grace had just sent my grades to the athletic director a few minutes before. In that moment, I was done. I was embarrassed, hurt, defeated in that very moment. Whatever hope I had left was gone. I walked over to my mom in the stands and told her in a few words what happened. I told her I was done. I didn't want to hurt anymore. In that moment, strangely, I lost all feeling in my body. I was no longer angry, just done. As we walk out, she looked directly at the athletic director and she said, You just killed my son. And little did she know, or anyone else, mind you, she was right. For months I had thoughts of ending my life, even before this last blow. But it all became so much clearer on that night. Am I being dramatic? Possibly. Was it exactly what I felt in that moment of my life? Yes, it was. I'll pick up next week. Thank you for listening to part two of my story. In next week's episode, I'll share with you how, although there there were 13 reasons why, there was one good reason why not. We'll lighten it up a little bit, and I'm going to share with you my experience of being a contestant on the game show, as well as the one year I lived in my car. That's next week's episode. See you then.